Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought... In that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Join Josh and Chuck, the guys who bring you stuff you should know, as they take a trip around the world to help you get smarter in a topsy-turvy economy. Check out the all-new Super Stuff Guide to the Economy from HowStuffWorks.com, available now exclusively on iTunes. Hi there, everybody, and welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette. I'm an editor here at HowStuffWorks.com, and sitting next to me, as usual, is the very helpful senior writer, Jonathan Strickland. Konnichiwa! <laughs> you know what? I think you need help. Do I? Yes, when I need help, do you, uh, I do call 911. You call 911? Yes. Because you're in the United States. That's true. It, it occurred to me after we researched this that it, uh, it is, once again, a very uh, United States-centric podcast, so we apologize to our friends overseas and to the... North and south and okay, okay. Well, let's let's just say, how does a rescue number fill in the blank here? Know where you are? Well, I'm. You're making some pretty big assumptions there, Paulette, because I haven't looked into any others other than nine one one. Okay. Well, I think the technology is basically there, so let's Probably talk about the that. Same. All right. So let's first talk about how nine one one is set up. Uh, we were going to really focus kind of on on 
how it works when you're using a cellular phone or heaven help you, a VoIP phone. Um, but, but before we get into that, it's best to know kind of the basics of how it works in the first place. Sure. I mean, it wasn't all that long ago that there wasn't any kind of standardized number. Right. You know, it, you know, it's only been since the mid 1960s that uh, Late at least 1960s. for the 1960s, 1968 was when the first one uh, went live. Yeah, right. Well, I mean, they had to, you know, work on getting it organized and all that stuff. And it wasn't even a national thing. It was lo- very localized. And it still isn't. It's it's it it's is true. it is very much a regional system. True. So, um yeah, there's no national system. It's all uh managed by by different counties local and cities. Yeah. Yeah, different, uh, different governments in, in different regions are overseeing these things. So as you can imagine, coordination is a, is kind of a tricky, tricky business on, in 911. And, um, usually, you know, you're, you're pretty much supporting it through taxes and, uh, maybe a, a fee to your phone carrier. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, in addition to building out the network, they have to pay people to sit at the switchboard and, Listen to people uh, with emergency calls and those people who call to complain about traffic and that there are no chicken nuggets at the McDonald's. Oh, you totally stole that before I could say it. Yes, I uh, win. Okay, so um, yes, uh, let's let's say let's start with the landline um, approach because that that's the easiest one to talk about when you're when you're making a nine one one call. And it is the first one they had to uh, to worry about building out. Right. So when you actually dial 911, it goes to a different hub. It doesn't actually go to the same hub that a regular phone call would go through. Right, because the phone company knows when you make a phone call. It that, has to. That's right. That's right. Know. In so that order way, for them to bill you. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So when you make a 911 call, the phone company knows you're making an emergency call. It goes through this hub, and then it goes to the closest public safety answering point, or PSAP. 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 So it goes to the closest one to whatever region you're calling from. So that way the response is going to be very localized and theoretically will be the fastest response that you could expect under, you know, any normal circumstances. Right. Now, um, when you call the, the phone company sends to that PSAP, PSAP, uh, that, uh, the, your information. So that person will know, the operator will know, like, this is where the phone calls are originating. Um, in case you aren't able to speak, if you are unable to actually talk, uh, they can at least see where the call's coming from and send help to that address. And this happens, you know, more often than you would think. Uh, you may not be able to speak because you uh, smoke inhalation. You might be choking on something. In some cases, people's pets, have dialed dialed nine one one, and in some cases it was necessary. <laughs> I mean, more than one case you had an animal dial nine one one, and right. it really didn't need to do that. But right, but you, there are stories about rescue animals that did dial nine one one in order to contact uh, 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 emergency services when their their owners um, suffered some sort of trauma. And, uh, you know, of course that doesn't happen all that often, but the, the way the system works is the operator sees, okay, this call's coming from this address. I will send help there. I can't quite ascertain exactly what's going on. And so they, you know, pretty much decide at, at the spur of the moment which services to send. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, of course, the, the dispatcher will talk to the, the, you know, the operator or dispatcher will talk to you and then you would explain what the emergency situation was and then they would send the appropriate uh, respond respondents. Right. So, um, that's the, that's just the basic, uh, nine one one response. There's actually another thing called the enhanced nine one one response, which is even a little more 
complex than that. Yeah, E nine one one is um, actually fairly common now. I would think. Yeah, it's uh, it's what almost I've, uh, it's seen. Yeah, back in two thousand six, I think it was eighty uh, percent penetration in the market. So by now, I would expect that number to be much higher. So. Um, and it actually uses an even more sophisticated system. The hub that you dial into um, actually makes some additional determinations, uh, goes in and gets some uh, info from a couple servers on the, the telephone system side to try to get even more detailed information about where you are and, and who to route the call to to maybe speed up the service just that much more. Right, yeah, you're talking about things like you know, deter- everything from determining how many emergency calls are already out to, you know, maybe maybe this person's address would make you think that they are closest to this uh, PSAP, but in reality, they'd be closer to another one. Um, it also will bring up information such as uh, what what sort of obstacles a response team might uh, encounter uh, en route to the address, like if there's a street that's closed or uh, anything along those lines. Um, so it, it really is, of course, designed to help these emergency responders uh, get to you much more quickly and safely uh, than they would otherwise. And as it turns out, uh, this enhanced 911 functionality is essential to getting wireless 911 functionality to to actually function the right way because otherwise it would be very difficult for the uh the wireless provider to get the information on where you are now it, it you know a cell phone can only be so accurate as to where they can figure out where your location is because it's triangulating based on the signals from different cell phone towers in your area uh so it's a little like GPS in that way because it is is determining your location based on uh, the, the transmitters on the ground and where the phone is telling it that it is. Right. You know, right. it seems closer to this one. It seems farther away from that one. We think he or she is in this area right here. Right. And, um, this is important because around 50% of all phone calls, uh, that go into 911 originate from a wireless phone, like a, a cell phone. And, um, Obviously, when you have that that number of calls coming in, you do need a way that you can, you know, uh, ascertain where this person is. Um, there are a couple of different ways of doing this. Besides uh, the the one you mentioned, um, is probably the most common. Uh, that one is the uh, uh, it's a, a network based location finding is kind of the way we think of it. Mm-hmm. It's in, in in the sense that it's all based upon how far away you are from at least usually I think three towers. That's how, what they need in order to to determine where in general you are. I think so. That's the, the number that I saw most frequently. Right. And uh yeah, it's it's accurate to between 100 to 300 meters, which is, you know, not that bad considering. But yeah. uh there's if, there's if you're, you know, in your car and it's on fire with flames shooting out through the hood, I think they'd probably be able to find you within Yeah, once they got 100 within, meters. Once they got within 300 meters, they'd probably be able to yeah. figure out where they are. But the other uh, way you can do this is actually using a handheld device like your your phone itself has within it a location uh, device that would help in that uh, like if you have a phone that has a GPS receiver, that would it, be could, nice. it could send the information it's receiving from the satellite on through the, the signal and therefore give extremely accurate location information to whomever's on the phone. Right. So it's getting the, the information from the GPS and sending it over the cell phone network. Right. 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 That's exactly what it's doing. However, you have to keep in mind, if you're inside, 
Mm-hmm. That's not going to help you out too much. You really need to have an open view to the sky in order to, to really get those signals from the, um, the satellites. Uh, if you are in any kind of like heavily wooded area or uh, maybe downtown in a really crowded city, um, it may not respond as well. So that's not always necessarily like just because you have a GPS receiver in your phone doesn't necessarily mean it's going to give it the most accurate information all the time. It all depends on the situation you're in and the environment around you. That's true, because I'm, I'm guessing that uh, if you were, say, in a 30 story building and you have a GPS device and it's saying, well, you know, he's here at this location, then the rescuers have to go look on every floor because it doesn't say, well, you know, he's on the fifth floor in suite 540. Right. So, well, yeah. Yeah. So even if it could get the signal in the first place. So there, so there is a limit. Yeah, there are. There are limits. And, uh, the, the whole reason for this in the first place is because the, the FCC was, uh, very much concerned with making sure that when you dial 911 on a cell phone that you are able to get the help that you require. And, uh, they demanded, uh, demanded things to be rolled out, uh, the sort of the enhanced 911 for cell phones to be rolled out into two phases. Right. The first phase was just using location determining, uh, your location would be determined based upon whichever cell tower you are connecting to with your phone. And unfortunately, that doesn't really, uh, give you a whole lot of accuracy. Right. We're talking like, Six to 30 miles. (laughs) (laughs) And six to 30 miles is not great. Now, hopefully, if you are actually able to communicate with the operator, that won't be as big a deal because you'd be able to tell that person where you are. Right, right. Under phase two, it's it's much more accurate within 50 to 300 meters, according to the uh, government information I saw. And uh, I was actually looking into this. Now, here's the other issue is that you might wonder, like, okay, well, how far into phase two are we? Right. That is... Practically impossible to answer without contacting each and every PSAP in the nation because right. it's and on a per carrier basis. It's on a per PSAP basis. They have to work together in order to get this phase two rolled out. So, um, yeah, it's, I couldn't even tell you like how, how many different uh, locations have phase two rolled out versus phase one. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, uh, and that's kind of scary when you think about it. I mean, you know, you really don't know when you call nine one one if how accurate their their information is going to be. Um, of course, if you can talk, then that might be able to solve some issues right there. But yeah, you know, uh, just to point this out, um, from what I was reading during my research phase on this podcast, uh, the experts say the very first thing you should do when you call nine one one is to tell them where you are. Right. Um, Where I you would are imagine, and especially then what the emergency in, is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because, uh, they said that that, that is probably the most important thing, especially if you're in a situation where you're not able to communicate well, because, um, you know, then they can go ahead and, and figure out how to get to you. Right. And from there, you know, assist you. But, uh, yeah, that's, you know, don't forget to just go ahead and tell them where you are. Um, you know, because that is, is essential when you're dealing with, uh, wireless and VOIP. Technology. And I, I didn't think to to put this in my notes, but we should also address the fact that if you carry a, a satellite phone, right, that can give information very quickly to an emergency response team exactly where you are. Because again, that's working on the same sort of of uh, uh, kind of way as a GPS receiver. You're receiving your satellite uh, signals through satellite, um, and there are many satellite emergency phones that are on the market for people who like you know like to hike in the Yukon. 
or sure. things like that. You know, people who really do go into these, you know, high risk environments, um, because they're, they're adventurers at heart. Right. And, uh, these sort of phones help, uh, help get that information out. Usually it's a, a simple button you press and it sends an emergency signal and it includes your coordinates. Yeah. Um, like and, OnStar in cars. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. It's OnStar for hikers. Yeah. And very expensive. Yes. Yes, they are not cheap. <laughs> yeah, we're not talking like your thirty nine ninety nine voice plan. I think they're significantly more. Right. Both the phones that. and the plans cost quite a bit of money. But if it's a matter of life and death because you're an adventurer and likes like to go out and you know party with grizzly bears who might eat you, and who doesn't? Right. <laughs> you know, it might be worth the investment. So let's move on to VoIP. Oh, VoIP. I love voice VoIP. Voice over internet protocol. That's true. Now, voice over internet protocol, we've talked about before in this podcast. This is, uh. Many times. Yeah. This is, uh, this is, it sends your phone call like it would send, it sends it over the internet as mm-hmm. opposed to over the cellular network. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like every other kind of information that's sent over the internet, it's broken up into packets. And it gets little pieces, teeny tiny pieces, like, you know, like a Mike TV and Willy Wonka flies through the air and it gets to the other side and gets re, it gets put back together and then it becomes the phone call on the other end. Uh, here's the problem with VoIP. Um, there's no physical location associated with VoIP at all. At all. You, your VoIP is associated mainly with your, um, computer or device upon which you have VoIP installed. That's true. I mean, it, there is, you know, you can ping something, a location, yeah. and get a sort of an idea of where it's going to because, you know, a, an internet, anything you send through the internet reaches lots of computers, tons and tons and tons of computers because it's, it's bouncing piece by piece over, you know, network by network, different stuff in between here and there. The thing is, you know, there's very, it's, this information that's coming around with is very sketchy. Right. So you, it's, you know, it's you less reliable than cell general phone idea of where someone is. But the other thing is that, um, you know, it's, it's, you can set a location when you set up a, a VoIP account. In fact, mm-hmm. um, you're supposed to, um, which would be, you know, like the idea here is that you're telling the, the company, this is where I usually, I, I am usually at when I make my VoIP calls. Like if I, I'm usually at home when I, Use this VoIP system, so that way, if I were to ever call nine one one over the VoIP system, chances are this is the location that I'm calling from. Right. Um, and then theoretically, you should have an easy way to update that information, so that if you were to travel, you could say, "I happen to be in Prague." Not, you know, of course, if you're in Prague, I don't know why you'd be dialing nine one one. But the point being that uh, you should be able to update your location so that. Um, you're not sending the the operators on a merry chase, or really, it's just to to let the phone company know which PSAP your call needs to be routed to. Yeah, it's not going to do you much good if you call nine one one, and the person answering the phone is eight counties away, and uh, you know it's just as all that's going to do is waste valuable seconds. And of course, we know like in an emergency, every second counts. Yeah, if you're uh if you're a VOIP telephone customer, for example, if you had Vonage uh, or many of the others, uh, a lot of the regular ISPs and uh, phone companies offer some kind of VOIP service now, um, they'll tell you whether or not you can use 911. Um, and they, they sort of have some of the details ironed out. However, if you were to be using some of the uh, programs like Skype or uh, Gizmo Project, 
I don't know that it would be as reliable as, you know, something like Vonage, which is, you know, set up to be, it's like, well, we know where he lives. He's calling right. from this address. It's fine. Now, the FCC says that any VoIP uh, provider has to provide 911 support and it has to work. Uh, they don't go so far as to explain how that's supposed to happen. But they say this is how it has to be. So it's left up to the providers to find a way to make it work. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, if you're, if they know that you have a, um, voice powered line system at your house and you're calling from your house, well, they know where that is. They can, it works, it would work very similarly to a, a regular telephone call, I would assume, in that, um, they would say, well, uh, Chris is calling. We know Chris lives at this address. Send him here. And that would be it. But, uh, you know, it's not because of the VoIP. It's because they know they already know where you live. <laughs> right. And uh, according to the FCC, uh, interconnected VoIP providers must obtain a affirmative acknowledgement from all existing customers that they are aware of and understand the limitations of their 911 service. And they do send that information to you yeah. if you're a customer, because I am a VoIP customer. So you actually received that. Yep. Excellent. So good on them. They're following the law. Um but yeah, it is important to remember that if you're a VoIP customer, that that could become uh, uh, an issue. However, we should also point out that um, you can also make 911 calls from any cellular phone or uh, really any landline. I think I think you can make an emergency call no matter what. Uh, you don't even even if you don't have a plan anymore on a cell phone. If you right. pick up a cell phone and dial 911, it has to work. Right, that's true. I mean, that's if you have an old cell phone. Um, I'd actually heard this mentioned before um, by a, a consumer um, consumer rights advocate said, if you have an old cell phone, you you know trade it in for a new one, go ahead and keep it charged up, the old one, and throw it in your glove compartment. Because what if you leave your cell phone at home and you get in an accident? You still are supposed to be able to call 911, and they're still supposed to connect those emergency calls. So it's a good use for a, an old beat-up phone. Yeah, I know there are some charity organizations that accept donations of old phones specifically to use them as emergency phones for underserved populations. Yeah, so that's um, a very nice thing. So yeah, that's that's a good thing to keep in mind. Is even if you do use VoIP, it may it may behoove you to keep a regular old phone plugged in or a uh, a cell phone laying around so that you can rely on that in the case of an emergency, just in case the VoIP doesn't work exactly the way you would hope it would work. And in which case you would want to tell them where you are first. Yes, always remember that. Uh, I'm done. I am too. Excellent, because you know what that means. Oh, goody. Yeah, it's time for Listener Mail! Yay! I'm trying a new approach this time. Yay? Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. All right, this uh, listener <laughs> mail comes from Andrew. <clears throat> hi, Andrew. He says, hello. Hey, look, he said hi back. <laughs> My name is Andrew from Illinois. So he's the Andrew from Illinois. Hi, Andrew in Illinois. He's, uh, he's in seventh grade, and I'm subscribed to, what is it now, seven? Yeah, all seven How Stuff Works podcasts. You are awesome, Andrew. <clears throat> I just thought I'd drop you a line, a line to you guys at Tech Stuff and say the specifics about the five major web browsers, Internet Explorer, I have eight, Mozilla Firefox, Apple Safari, Google Chrome, and Opera. I have all five on my laptop. And although Internet Explorer is the easiest to use, best for favorites and bookmarks, and a few other things, it is in no way the best. Firefox is by far the best and safest of them all. Safari is the fastest. Chrome is stripped down, making it an easier interface to use. And Opera makes the best backup browser and is great on older computers. 
I know that you probably know all this already, but I just wanted to say what I believe about them. I never owned and hardly ever used a Mac before, by the way. I just wanted to say that. I am slash was bored, and it is 9.35 p.m. Bye. <laughs> 9.35 p.m. in seventh grade. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah? Yeah. I'm, I'd say bedtime at 10. Yeah. Well, that's my bedtime now. Yeah, me too. Yeah, so. Good Lord. <laughs> well, Andrew, thank you very much for writing in. Yeah, um, five browsers on one laptop. Oh, well, see, that's, that's because, uh, that's, you see, he's not using a Mac because if he was using a Mac, he'd have those plus OmniWeb and Camino at least, if not Shira. I'm almost yeah, sad that I picked this mail to read. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, you're right though, because each browser, they're all, they're all good. Uh, and it's, it seems like from using all of them, there's always one thing about each one of them that goes, man, I wish everybody else would do this, but they don't. Yeah. Yeah. I can think right off the top of my head. For instance, um, I'd say that Internet Explorer probably has the most widespread support. Oh, yeah. Uh, you can get just about any website to work in Internet Explorer. Right. Um, it's also out of the major ones. It's the slowest. Yeah. Uh, although Internet Explorer 8 is faster than 7. I think, uh, what was it? Safari was like 36 times faster than Internet yeah. Explorer 7. Yep. Yeah, it's only like 8 times faster than Internet Explorer 8. So it's it's improved. But, uh, yeah. Um, actually, I, I think... Uh, and and. Andrew sent this for a while ago. I think I should point out that Google Chrome does have a new beta out that's even faster. And so I hate to bite me, Safari. I hate to disagree with you, Andrew, but uh, they had a contest uh, not too long ago in which they uh, let crackers, well, their white hat hackers, take a, a shot at the different. Uh, stop it! No, He's laughing at me. I'm quietly. not making a joke. All right, go ahead. Anyway. Uh, they let some some hackers take a shot at the security on the different browsers, and the one that uh, withstood the attack the longest was not Firefox; it was Chrome. Yeah, Chrome actually did. Did they ever break it? Uh, I didn't I see they a follow up. I think they, they finally just gave up. At the end of the first day, that was the only one that they hadn't actually managed to crack. Um, yeah. However, you don't have all the extensions and flexibility of Firefox. This is true. This yet. is true. I, I rely on Firefox primarily, and then I use Chrome as my backup browser. And then I use Internet Explorer for whenever I have to access anything uh, internally. I still have a soft spot in my heart for Opera. Do you? Yeah. And uh, Safari is pretty. Um, you know, there, there's some good things about all of them. I'm more of a musical fan than an opera fan. I'm just going to stop with that. Okay, so I guess that wraps things up. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, you can write us at techstuff at howstuffworks.com. And remember, we have blogs up. You can find those at howstuffworks.com, as well as articles about all the subjects we've been talking about so far. And we hope to talk to you again really soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So, while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. 
I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.